0: Um, for those of you who may not know me, I'm uh, Pastor Drew Kleindenstow. I'm um, pastor of Children and family Ministries here, and um, I have the pleasure of giving you the first message of the year. <laughs> and it probably isn't going to be an easy one. But um, I, I pray it encourages you. Uh, I pray that it um, brings you to a place that, through what you come to this year, that you may persevere. In the strength of our Lord. Um, We are going to be spending some time in Hebrews uh, 12. So if you want to turn there, we're not going to read it just yet. But I just want to give you um, some story about uh, my life and um, the life with my wife, Mary Beth. Um, Back in uh, 2012, um, my wife uh, was was getting sick um, and she uh, we, w- we went to doctors, try to figure stuff out. It all started with with this gut problem and um, not being able to eat well and um, into that process. Um, she started getting all these spots on her legs and um, getting really sick by joint problems and muscle fatigue and um, she uh, doctors had no idea. We got in to see some specialists, finally determined that she was able to be diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. It's called Henoic Shulin Purpura. Now, um, they mainly just call it HSP. And it's fitting for my wife because if you don't know her, her favorite color is purple. And it's known as the purple disease. So she loves all things purple. She got the purple disease. It's found commonly in kids. That's what it's found in. It's not likely to happen in adults, very rare in adults, and even more rare to be something that reoccurs each year. My wife hit the jackpot. She not only had a disease that affects kids, but she is afflicted with it um, every year since 2012. We've been dealing with the 10 years and um, she's, she's got it really bad this season. So, uh, Church, I, I ask you to pray for her right now in and, and the days ahead as we are working through this. It, um, over time, when weather warms up and she's been on um, the medicine, um, her joints start functioning again. She can start moving again. Usually, um, when the first time we dealt with it, it was about the end of April. She got sick early December, um, and, and went, we went through April before she was well again. Um, And I I tell you that because um, today we're going to talk about perseverance. And uh, in this time of my wife being sick, um, and as we struggle in and out of really severe seasons of this and not so severe, um, there have been many, there have been a number of years that we have had the blessing of her just having barely any pain, but some is there. Um, I I realized uh, two things. There was nothing I could do. That would bring an immediate fix to my wife. As much as I wanted there to be, there is not. And two, I needed to figure out how am I going to dig deep, press onward, and endure till the end. As I said, I wish I could say my wife is 100% healthy. um, But this is something that we are dealing with and um, she's battling that illness. However, in it, our God is still good and he's still in control. In the past 10 years, um, my wife and I have had two healthy kids, Isaiah and Adeline, um, one soon to be seven and one turned four. Um, We've um, been able to take in foster kids and see God work through that process and even the kids returning home to prepare us for a season that we weren't ready to let go. But here we are in this season where she can't function. And God sees the bigger picture. And God knows what's going on. And God works these things out for us. And um, you may be in a situation that is just debilitating. Maybe it's not something like my situation. um, But we all experience things that are hard. And have to figure out how do we push through them. How do we persevere. And um, in fact... Some of us may feel like we're living in turbulent times right now with um, the things that are going on in the world. Um, Some of you even more pressing concerns. School is starting back up in a few days. But trials reveal what is really there. In fact, trials reveal what our faith is and what we put our faith in. And so today we're going to look at a letter in the Bible written to a people who also lived during turbulent times. The recipients of this letter, they were persecuted. They were considered social outcasts because they put their faith in who Jesus was. And they needed encouragement to get through very difficult days and months, even years. I believe that we need encouragement too when we are dealing with our trials. And we can either look at this time of trial as an obstacle Well, we can look at this as an opportunity to pursue and to persevere through Christ. My hope is that you will find encouragement and see that God is giving us an opportunity for growth in the midst of trials. So we're we're going to read Hebrews chapter 1 through 11. But will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. God, and as we read out of Hebrews, Father, I pray that um, the Scripture would would speak to our hearts, Father, that you would give us the strength to persevere in times of trial. Father, that we would always turn to you when we're struggling, and that we would put our our great dependence on your Son who who came for us to die on the cross, to raise again, to forgive us of our sins. Let us put our faith and stand firm on his foundation in jesus name amen hebrews chapter 12 therefore since we have surround been <clears throat> therefore we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us look to jesus the founder and protect- perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross To those who have been trained by it. Looking through this portion of of Hebrews, I've got got three principles for you in overcoming and persevering through your trials. One, choose faithfulness over flakiness. I don't know about you, but sometimes I want a God who is manageable. And, and predictable. I want God to do the easy stuff. I want him to understand easy things. I don't want it to be difficult. <clears throat> and who does what I want Him to do? I have had to learn the lesson over the years that I, what I think should be is not where God puts me. In fact, there are a few things that can crumble our faith even more faster than when God doesn't do what we think he should do. When trials come our way, we can feel confused or anxious. Um, we may feel distant, like God's not there with us. And when those things happen, sometimes we flake out on our faith. But flaky, conditional faith is short-sighted because we are really bad at interpreting at what's happening. We don't see the bigger picture. We don't see the time frame of our life. God does. God sees what's happening. God knows what's happening. The prayers we pray on Monday may not get answered on Tuesday. And so we give God an extension. All right, God, you didn't answer me Tuesday. I'll give you till Thursday. Then Thursday comes and you say, okay, (laughs) I'm done with this faith thing. All right? Didn't work. Clearly, God didn't hear my prayers. He doesn't care. I'm done. Faith is that faith in God, if it's not tested, it's like a muscle that's not worked out. It will atrophy and it will become useless. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This great cloud of witnesses. Just prior to all this in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us exactly who the great cloud of witnesses is. The entire chapter, the hall of faith, of Hebrews 11 lists out people like Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Rahab and many others. All of these people, it goes into some details of their extraordinary faith. And in fact, we spent many months in Genesis talking about a number of these people and this great adventure of faith that they had not always good. And yet, as we got to read through Genesis, we saw God working throughout all of that. They didn't get that. They didn't have that opportunity. They were in the midst of it. We get to look back and we get to see this great cloud this great cloud of witness. Hebrews and I just some things that these people endured comes from Hebrews 11:36 through 38. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went out in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. That's who people of the faith that we read about had happened to them. Where they had to persevere. And this list is long. And the events and the persecutions they went through is the great cloud of witness that surrounds us. This passage sets it up that these stories of these that we get to read and witness, they saw what God did. They saw God's awesomeness. And we too can be encouraged from their story. That when we are dealing with in our lives, we can persevere. It's as if they are sitting there cheering you on. Persevere through your trial. We need someone cheering us on in our life. Because it's hard. We face difficult things all the time. And we may have thought moving into... This Christian life, it may all be happiness and hugs, but it's not that way. We're told we will be persecuted for Christ's sake. Life isn't always happiness and hugs. There are chapters of difficulty, of trials. Have you ever asked the question in these trial times, will I make it through these days? Oftentimes I found myself asking, My wife is sick. Before we had kids, it was just taking care of her. I think the answer was a lot easier then than it is having two kids and having her sick and having to be the person who is over the household and everything. You know, it's just, it's overwhelming. And I've come to the realization there's a better question to be asked. The question is, what will these days make of me? The common thread that ties all of these people together is faithfulness to endure, an adversary, not flakiness. Most people hear the word faith and they think it's a nice sentiment, but it's not practical. Faith sounds like a feeling or maybe it's a blind leap. However, it's not the biblical view of faith. No, our true faith is confidence in the truth. It's actively trusting and understanding what God has told us here based on our reasoning. Just think about Jesus' life. Jesus did miracles in front of skeptics who, wouldn't, who couldn't explain what he was doing. Jesus publicly died on a cross, killed by professional executioners who verified that he was dead. Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to hundreds of people. Jesus invited people to investigate his claims. Jesus' disciples proclaimed these truths. They were beaten. They were mocked. They ultimately died and never recanted their claims. Thousands upon thousands of super serious and committed Jews became followers of Jesus. They changed their entire culture. Their main message was that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. And then if you look at today, there are believers on every continent of the world. And many do so under the pain of torture and death to present the gospel to those who need it. The whole basis of faith in Jesus is not that it's guesswork or that it's a feeling. No, faith is not sentimental. It is not blind. It is truth that will completely change our lives And will enable us to face anything that life throws at us. We don't get to choose the time that we live in. But we do get to choose what we do with that time. This great cloud of witnesses went through troubling times. They kept their faith. And we can too. Choose faithfulness over flakiness. The second thing I see as I go through Hebrews here. Spend more time on character than competency. Competency is important in our life. It's the ability to accomplish tasks and be successful. Um, that is, it's vital in what we do. However, competency will take, a, it, it will take a person far, but character is what defines us. Well-known father and discipliner, well, well-known in my life anyway, Rick Kleindenst would often tell me as I would leave the house to go be with my friends. Be mindful of what you do, Drew. You are a Kleindienst. Don't do anything to tarnish your name. Mm. You see, I think my dad had this concept down. It's more important to build your character than your competency. He knew. (laughs) He knew and wanted me to know that my actions would go beyond anything that would affect me. And it would have lasting implications on my family. And so, as we look at Hebrews 12, 1 again, therefore stand We, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay down, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us to overcome adversity in times of trial. The Bible says throw off everything that hinders must like much like athletes today, athletes in the first century, they would literally strip down anything that was unnecessary so that it would not weigh them down or hold them back. And so in our life we have to look and we have to ask the questions. What is the weight we're carrying? What is hindering us? What is holding back, holding us back from running faster after Jesus? Every day we become someone. Who we become is largely based on small daily choices that we make. And I want you to hear this, church. Moral compromise will compromise you. When we give into compromises, we give up a little bit of our character. When we give up a little bit of our character, we start to rely heavily on our competencies. But our competencies alone will severely limit us without character. These small daily choices are the difference between a life of compromise and a life of of character. A life of compromise can happen in just small ways, like you tell a half truth. There's a gap between what we say and what we do. We cover things up and hide them. We make life about us and not about our Creator. If you think about it, it's crazy, but at some point in your life, your lives will be summarized in a sentence. At the end of your life, down the road, after about 10, 15 years, somebody may look back and go, what was Drew like? Drew? Ah, He was all right. He's kind of a jerk sometimes. He probably, you know, I don't know what his deal was. Or do you get the story of your life a different picture? Bill? Tell you what, I've never known a person with more integrity, joy, and love than Bill. I don't know about you, but there's no difference, there's no question as to which few words I would like to be described as. My life summary, I want to point towards Christ. When you look at my life, do you see Christ? You can be successful in life, but become a complete wreck to those you work with. You can have incredible friendships, but have massive, massive tensions with family at home. There may be things in our life that hold us back from what God wants to do. And to get on the right path, maybe we need accountability. Maybe we need to surround ourselves with people who are going to cheer us on. And encourage us each day. Maybe we need to commit to a daily reading of Scripture and prayer and join together as a church body to read Scripture together through the year. You see, in the hurt and the brokenness and the anger of what is happening in your life, the choices that you make are what define your character. When you are at the lowest, when you are getting just battered from all sides, What you do, how you talk, how you respond to people, that's who you truly are. Do you choose to be selfish and indulge in worldly things to distract from the trial, or do you persevere and run to the one with the answers? Church family, be mindful of what you do. You are a follower of Christ. Don't do anything to tarnish Jesus' name. Let us live in a way that brings glory to God's kingdom. And third, <clears throat> realize that strategy is more important than strength. As a guy, I've mentioned it, I wanted my fix my wife's stuff. I that's I I've come to realize when it, when I think of overcoming adversity or going through trials. I want to have the mental and physical strength to push through it. I want to fix the problem. I want to move on. I want to use my strengths. And of course, having strength is important. But sometimes situations need more than just strength. And I'm going to refer back to Hebrews and the example of, of running this race. I have never run a marathon. And I really don't want to. Don't plan to. <clears throat> However, in, in running, there are things you need to do. And um, I have heard and from some people who have done marathons. And I have read of people's mistakes that they make. The first time they run a marathon. Listen to some of these examples. You may start too fast and not pace yourself well. You may wear new clothing on race day like new sneakers that have never been broken in. Um, You may may eat a bad pre-race meal. It just makes you sick. Or you may train by emphasizing only longer runs instead of focusing on shorter, high-quality runs. It's important to do both. However, if you notice these things, it's all about strategy more than your strength and how you prepare for your marathon. Strength is important to winning that race, but strategy is what ultimately wins. To persevere through times of trial, we need a life strategy that can help us win the race. What's the strategy? Well, Hebrews 2 through 4. Look We have a tendency to flake out and want to quit. We have a tendency to rely on our competes to get through. We have a tendency to rely on our own strengths to push onward. And here in Hebrews, we are instructed to do one thing only. Fix our eyes on Jesus as the only way to overcome our trying times. Why? Jesus is the one who is faithful when we flake out. Jesus is the one who showed us what true character is. Jesus is the one who gives us the only strategy that can help us endure. Jesus endured so much more than what we are facing right now. And so what are two practical steps that you can take to fix your eyes on Jesus today? One, find the present day cloud of witnesses. Find a community. And guess what? You guys, you've done a great job today. Good job completing number one. You're here. Look around. You've got a great community. You've got a great cloud of witnesses to stand and walk with you. Have them hold you accountable. There have been multiple conversations between Pastor Matt and Pastor Brandon on what we will lose If we were to step into a sinful situation and stand before you and and lose you, lose our families, because we chose, we could possibly choose the easier way. We don't want to stand up here and, and, and do that to you. And we want you guys to be here to hold us accountable as in this walk of life, just as we want to hold you accountable Find someone to hold you accountable. This passage talked about looking back on those who have gone before us, and that is huge in developing our faith. But we need to keep going and fix our eyes on Jesus. We need people in our lives today. We need people to befriend us, to challenge us, to point us to Jesus in our times of trial. Who is someone that can encourage and point you to Jesus? Find that person. Faith only grows deeper in community. Second thing that you can do today to fix your eyes on Jesus. Make small changes. A person does not just wake up one morning and decide to run a marathon with no prior training. You have to start small, you have to choose small actions that don't sound overwhelming. And so, what does that look like for our faith in setting our eyes on Jesus? Well, talk about your faith with someone that you find trustworthy, find another brother or sister in Christ. Sometimes the hardest thing for us to do, ironically, is to talk about our faith openly. We find someone trustworthy and decide to open up about our faith and our flakiness. Sometimes, oftentimes, we, when we share, that opens up the door for others to share. And it gives us a good test run on people we find trustworthy for when we step out to those who don't know Christ. Christ. Recognize reading one verse a day is way better than reading none. It's probably, it can feel intimidating to read large books of the Bible. So focus on something more attainable, something sustainable. There is no pressure to read everything, but you should be in God's Word. Start small and see the impact that it makes. Grow into reading more scripture. Get uncomfortable. Choose a compromised area in your life and try to pinpoint how this compromise has led or will lead to character issues. This one is probably one of the hardest. You have to spend time reflecting on yourself. Asking God to point out what what is it that I can fix in my compromised life. Don't get discouraged in that. Because remember, you don't just wake up and do a marathon. You start small. It's better to run the race slowly at first. And to lose the weight of our sinful nature. Small changes today will result in big changes tomorrow. Don't feel like everything has to improve today. Choose one small thing and put it into practice. Now you've heard all of those three things and two practical points. You're going, great, this has all been good, but why am I going through all of these trials? What's even the point? I don't like the trials I'm going through. Well, that's where we come to Hebrews 5 through 11. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses as you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastise every son whom he receives. It is the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline. If you are left without discipline in which you have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subjected to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, it seemed the best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems very painful, rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it and in James chapter 1 2 through 4 it says count it all joy my brothers for when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness that is let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete Lacking in nothing. What's the point? God only disciplines those He loves. If you are going through a trial, if you are dealing with something that just puts your faith to the test, praise God! He sees you as a son. He loves you. That's so hard to do. (laughs) Praise God for His goodness towards you. Because He considers you a son or daughter. He disciplines you so that you walk in such a way that honors Him. What held Jesus to the cross? Now some of you might say the nails. But Jesus fed 5,000. He raised the dead and He walked on water. No nails could hold Jesus to the cross. No, it was for what we first read in Hebrews chapter. Twelve. In verse 2, no, Jesus was held to the cross for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy that Jesus was to receive? Well, brothers and sisters, that's you and me. That's a forgiveness that wipes away our sins, that allows us to come to the Father. At the cross, Jesus' life ended so that ours could begin. And that's where he found his joy. He took all of our flakiness and all of our character flaws upon himself. He endured for us and rose from the dead so that he could bring us into relationship with God. Fix our eyes on Jesus because Jesus never will, will never quit on us. He won't flake out. Jesus will walk with us and he will develop us. He is trustworthy. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus stepped into our suffering and our trials. He endured for us. He never abandons us. He is the model of true endurance. He will lead us. He will befriend us. He will encourage us. He will forgive us. He is the same yesterday, today, and and forever. Jesus conquered death and sin. And one day will return to make all things right and all things new. We get to be a part of this greater story. There's a great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us saying, don't give up. Get back up. There's joy to come. There's a great cloud of witnesses to walk alongside of us right now to encourage us to say, don't quit. Get up. There's joy to come. God knows the end from the beginning. And he has something for us as his children. We have a community of amazing people here who are in the same race as us. And they're cheering us on. Let us stand strong. Let us stand steadfast. And let us persevere in our trials as we follow Jesus as His followers and as children of God. Church, be mindful of what you do. You are a follower of Christ. Go out and don't do anything that would tarnish Jesus' name. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for your, your word and that you've given us, Father, to give us encouragement. And God, ultimately, uh, thank you for the trials that come our way. Even in the midst of it, it may seem difficult and it's hard to understand, Father, but help us to praise You because we see that You love us. God, help help us to turn to You in those times. Help us to develop a character that is, is seen by others as a character of Christ. God, help us to grow in our faith towards you as we spend time reading your word as we spend time hanging out with people who who love you god and help us to focus our eyes on your son in all the things that we do even when it's not a time of trial father in times of good god that we would ultimately recognize it's you who've given us that good God, we love you so much and we thank you for Jesus who was that ultimate example, who we can look to to walk in greatness towards you, Father. Help us go out and proclaim Christ's good name to a world that needs it. We love you, Jesus. It's his name I pray.